Welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation, brought to you by Ledium. In today's episode, we have Leslie Bennett, a corporate sales trainer and go-to-market consultant, discussing the topic of deliverability and domain reputation. So let's dive in and learn how to overcome deliverability challenges with Leslie. Colin, the mic is yours. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. Super fired up to have my good friend Leslie Bennett back on the show again. If you don't know Leslie, she's a corporate sales trainer and she and sales led go to market consultant. She has made over 100,000 cold calls and was a three times head of sales and is now the founder of Sales Team Builder. Leslie, how are you? I am just great. I'm so excited to be here and collaborating with you again. Yeah, we had you back on the show recently uh, where we talked about value-based segmentation. Lots of great nuggets in that episode. So if you didn't catch that episode, we have the link in the show notes for you so you can go check it out. Um, But Leslie, today we're going to talk about something a little bit different. Um, but do you want to give the, uh, the listeners just a quick background on yourself and then we can get into the topic we planned out for them today? Absolutely. I am B2B sales expe- uh, obsessed. I spent my career uh, as an individual contributor making those cold calls myself, leading large teams of SDRs and full cycle AEs. Uh, even created an MVP for a bootstrap startup. Um, And a lot of what I've done is very go-to-market focused. So that is a bit of a passion, uh, so much so that I left my corporate job about 18 months ago so that I could run my own company full time. Wow. 18 months, time flies, huh? It genuinely flies so fast, Colin. It's like as as I prepare for. I don't know when this will release, but as I prepare for, you know, twenty twenty four, we're on the on the verge of uh, year end. Thinking about the big bets I'm going to take on the business as it heads into the end of year two and year three is kind of mind blowing, and I'm extremely grateful to have a business that's looking at moving into its third year because I know a lot of people don't don't make it in the year three. Well, we talked a lot about value-based segmentation uh, in the first, in the last episode we had you on. And today we're going to talk about something a lot of folks are talking about, um, deliverability, domain reputation. A lot of people, you know, see a lot of the people posting about this, talking about it. Uh, It seems like sort of a hot topic. Um, Just kind of want to dig in and get your thoughts and see like, what can individual sellers do? Um, if they're having these sort of issues and let's kind of start there. Yeah, I think this is such an important topic. Uh, I know it's important because my clients ask me about it. Like every single one of them asks me what they should do about deliverability or how, like, do I need to be worried about my domain reputation? The answer is yes. And it's also something I see a lot in my comments on LinkedIn, individual contributors saying, we have really bad deliverability Mm. or I'm not, I don't think I'm making it into the primary inbox. What am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. And what I think would be really helpful for, for folks today, because most of the people listening are probably not in charge of their domain reputation and their deliverability. That's probably it or marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know this is a lot of sales folks is talk about some of the ways that you can still get in front of your prospect if 
you are a bit suspicious or maybe even know for sure that you are having primary inbox problems. So, yeah, I I think before we do that, what are some things just because I think there might be some people that are like, how do I know if I have those issues? Um, And they could just be thinking like, I don't know, I don't get replies. My emails are terrible. And that might not be the case. They could be like, hey, I'm following everything that you're saying to do, uh, Leslie, and I'm still not getting replies. And so how can somebody who's mm-hmm. an individual contributor even begin to even understand, like, do we have a domain reputation issue uh, or deliverability problems? Yeah. Okay. So uh, two really easy ways. One, assuming that most folks listening are using some sort of sales engagement platform where you can see your data. If you are seeing a lot of emails bouncing or you're getting a lot of spam reports or you're getting a lot of unsubscribes, so you're seeing any of those red flags on your dashboard, that's a pretty good indication that many of your emails are probably already not making it to the primary inbox or you're on, you're on your way to having issues with that. Um, and then the other, the other reason, and, and I'm going to assume that at this point you are extremely confident with your copy. Like you have listened to all the advice that Colin and I give, you have gotten those like short, tight emails that are relevant, that are valuable to your prospect. You've removed all the extraneous links and exclamation parts and spam words. So like, you know, you have great copy and you are still getting open rates that are 15% or lower, you are not making it into the primary inbox. Okay, so let's say I'm a seller, I've been doing everything, I'm about to rip my hair out, (laughs) maybe even call it quits in sales (laughs) in general, (laughs) because nobody's replying to my damn emails. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, okay, clearly have a deliverability issue. So I don't control the domain, what can I do? Yeah. What is in my control? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a few things. One, nobody likes sellers who just complain all the time. So instead of complaining about your deliverability, this is frankly a pretty new issue. Mm-hmm. Like deliverability wasn't even a, a, a big deal like as recent as three years ago. So it might be something that your sales leader, your marketing team, your IT team, it might be something that they are not even aware of. Mm-hmm. So maybe show up with a solution. I think that that is a, a helpful one just to make sure that it, it is being dealt with internally because while you can't do the IT job of deliverability, you can you know, show up with that solution and that helpful, uh, that helpful insight to, to get the entire org on the right tracks. But maybe, you know, maybe they already know about it. Maybe you don't feel comfortable doing it. Here's some things that are so wholly in your control. The first one is take a multi-channel approach. So if you don't think that your emails are getting into the primary inbox, don't send more emails. Diversify the touches in your sequence to incorporate more channels. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, uh, People were like, okay, so should I not send emails? Uh, if I should, should I, is the answer to send less emails? What should those emails look like? Or do I just scrap email completely? 
Um, okay, so the first thing that I would do is if you don't already have call touches in your sequence, add those immediately. And then the way I would leverage those call touches before you do anything crazy with your email, because email is still a great channel, is use your call touches to leave voicemails that point to your email. So we know that we're getting uh, our cold calls answered. We have about a 4% conversation rate. So 4% uh, of our cold calls on average, your team may be crushing it on average, 4% of our cold calls are, are ending in conversation. So that means there's 96 opportunities for us to leave a voicemail. Mm. You need to approach your voicemails like you are leaving an email in the voicemail. And you want to do that because a lot of people are reading visual voicemails instead of listening mm -hmm. to them. So you want to make sure that it is clear, concise, easy to read, like optimized for mobile, but in a different mm -hmm. way. And then the message that you want to leave isn't an ask for them to call you back. It isn't something vague and random. It is, a, <laughs> it is a, well, I just thought that it would be so mysterious that they would want to call me back. No, bro, they do not. Um, you want to, to give them that relevant reason to give a heck about the words that you are saying and then point them to your email and when you point them to your email, either give them the subject line to search for or give them the exact email it's being sent from. And that's going to help you automatically increase your domain reputation because you're getting your emails opened. That's a positive. Maybe then you're getting them moved to the primary yeah. because that person's marking them as not spam. And maybe if you've written a great email, you are getting that. Which all helps your domain reputation. Um, I love this because yeah. I think a lot of individual contributors are probably frustrated with hearing all the people talk about like, oh, you've got to, you know, spin up all of these, you know, domains and you've got to warm them up and you got to monitor the health. And they're like, yeah, but I can't do that. So this is very practical. Like this is something in your control. And I, I was kind of laughing because... <laughs> you said if if you don't have call steps in your sequence and i was kind of like who does not have call steps in their sequence but i guess that's a thing uh, <laughs> too many people uh, is that is a thing <laughs> too many people that don't have call steps in their sequence and then when i ask about it say well my prospects don't answer phone calls like not only is that yeah, they don't answer when you don't call <laughs> true right like not only is that not true but also like nobody's prospects answer phone calls at the volume that most people think they should. Like there's this, this really yeah. strange mental disconnect that people think that cold calling doesn't work because most calls aren't answered. Well, most emails aren't answered either and we still keep emailing. Yeah. Email is just easy. Yeah. Er, I think for most people, there's less immediate like rejection, but cold calls work. And I, I think the most important point is that cold calls don't just work because somebody answered. Cold calls work mm. because it's an opportunity to to create a bit more of an emotional connection because you have that that tone, that enthusiasm, that disposition that you can communicate. But in the context of making it into the primary inbox, 
It is a way you can get directly to your decision maker and encourage them to then go back and open your email, which will improve your domain reputation, which will allow you to land in the primary inbox more often. Yeah. Uh, there's so many things I love about this because I'm a big fan of, you know, zig when everybody else is zagging, right? So most people that leave a voicemail are asking for a callback or, you know, leaving some sort of mysterious call me back about um, doing some business together, you know, like just very broad and general, hoping that, hoping that people are going to be curious enough to, hmm, I wonder what this sounds very important. I'm going to call this person back, which almost never, ever happens. So you're one, you're, you're calling, you're calling with the intention of like, they're probably most often not going to pick up, but that means lots of opportunities to leave a voicemail and making that voicemail stand out and be different than every other voicemail that they're getting, which is, you know, the examples that I just mentioned, right? So pointing them to the email, making it easy, telling them the subject line, great. Um, and, but I think the key here is don't ramble, like keep it nice and short and tight because chances are they're not going to listen to it. Maybe they do but their most likely first thing is going to be to read it. And if it's very long, they'll probably just delete it. Um, yep. So I think that's important. Any, any tips on like, you know, opening line of your email, right? Opening line of your voicemail. What are some tips to really like catch people's attention to maybe read or listen to the entire voicemail to get to the call to action mm -hmm. that points them to the email? Yeah. Uh, so what I talk a lot about in emails is optimizing for the preview text. We often spend a huge amount of time on subject lines, but then the first words of the email will be like, I hope this finds you well, or congrats on your series A, or I see that you're the VP of sales at Ledium. And it's like, good, good God. Um, so what you want to lead with in your preview preview text is something that matters to them. Mm -hmm. And it's the same concept on voicemail. Just like when we get somebody to answer, we have about eight seconds for them to decide if they are going to hang up or keep listening to us. We have about 30 seconds to really like make our point, make it matter to them. So so combine those two understandings, right? You have like eight to 30 seconds to make an impact. So I advocate for voicemails to be scripted. I'm not a huge fan of scripts overall. I prefer you know, frameworks and sort of templates, but this is one time that I really think a script comes in handy so that you are getting to the point in that eight to 30 seconds, and then you're pulling over that idea of optimizing for preview text, which means that you are ensuring the first words that they either listen to or read are highly relevant that they matter to the person reading yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. So great tips there to get your voicemail to stand out because um, you still have to think about that preview text, but as a voicemail, but still as a text as well. Um, so love this. Okay, great. I think we've got the voicemail piece down or picking up the phone and, hey, maybe they pick up four to 
you know, hopefully higher. Some teams might be getting higher than 4%, but let's just assume 4%. Um, that's a great opportunity, right? It's a yeah. channel maybe you weren't fully utilizing before. You can get into conversations. The thing I love about cold calling versus email is like, you know, sometimes if somebody doesn't reply to your email, it doesn't really tell you a lot other than they didn't reply. But when you get in a conversation, you start to get more feedback and questions and things like that, which could also help you craft across all channels. So what else can they do? Um, okay, so multi-channel approach is not just phone and email. I always recommend at least a three-channel approach. So that might be sort of obvious to people listening if they're taking time out of their day to, li to listen to a sales podcast. Uh, but I highly recommend you figure out how to get that third channel into your approach. And if LinkedIn doesn't make sense because your prospects are not on LinkedIn, see if it's Facebook. Maybe it's direct mail. Mm. Maybe it is event-led touch points but make sure that you are diversifying your channel approach so that you are giving your prospect as many opportunities as possible to engage with you where they are most likely to already exist and where they're most comfortable having conversations. That's going to, to generally help because then if they do see your name, see your company name in their email, it's just more likely that they're gonna market as safe instead of market as spam. Yep. And that's going to help you a lot. Okay. And are you still pointing them back? You're pointing them back to the email there on those touches. Are you referencing the email? I mean, I just want to dig into, let's just assume LinkedIn, right? Is your third channel of choice, which I think a lot of people listening, that's going to mm -hmm. be sort of their default third channel. Um, how do you do LinkedIn right? So that you're not another annoying, you know, uh, pitch slap person in the DMS with your prospects. Yeah. Well, because there's also a primary inbox on LinkedIn, so there's a focused inbox yeah. on LinkedIn, and then there's also a other inbox. Um, so the the conversation extends to to LinkedIn in a you know I think a very important way. The so I would say the number one thing that I see people getting wrong on LinkedIn is that they take either a social approach or a selling approach, but they really struggle to take a social selling approach. Yeah. So their messages are either social. Hey, I saw that you also went to the University of Montana. Buy my thing, yeah. which is such a turnoff. Um, or even worse, the like, I'm really curious about X and it's something that's really important to me. And so I accept the message or I reply once mm. and it immediately turns into a sales pitch that like connect and spam, right? So if you're going to be social, like you have to be social you have to genuinely be curious until you've earned the right to pivot that conversation into a sales conversation you can only do that by having a dialogue by getting curious by understanding their needs or people go too hard and they are are just selling and i think that there is a case to be made for being really transparent about the fact that your goal is to have a sales conversation yeah. but you cannot be as salesy, I'm using air quotes there, you cannot be as salesy on LinkedIn that you even yeah. can be in emails because it is still a personal social media. So you have to really, really over index for making sure that your message is more casual, more relevant and more valuable on LinkedIn 
to make sure that you're not just social and you're not just selling, but you're actually mastering social selling. That's going to help you make it into the focused inbox and actually get your messages open versus making it into the other inbox. What I would do once you're in the focused inbox is double tap that either with an in-mail that has a call to value in it, a call to value meaning uh, like something, some insight that you're sharing with them, or here's a white paper and based on what I know about you, take a look at the bottom of page 12 for the thing that's pertinent to you, or here's a case study and based on what I've you know, listened to on the podcast that you just guessed it on, like page five is going to be the bit of the case study that's relevant to you. So that, that frictionless call to value so I think you can either do in LinkedIn inbox to in-mail call to value or LinkedIn inbox to email call to value. For this particular question we're answering, like how to make it into the primary inbox, if you think that is something you're struggling with, I would encourage you to use email yeah. instead of in-mail so that you're doing all those same things we talked about with the call, right? You're getting people to mark it as safe, move it to the inbox, open it, reply to it. That's going to all yeah, help your All very great tips. I think, I think the, you know, the, the key is it's even harder. Email is harder than it's ever been. LinkedIn has now made it harder with the other box. And even, even now, I mean, when I get lots of messages, I'm sure you do as well you even have the option to now mark it as spam, right? And so too, too. if you're, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I do too. I mark and anybody so, that's trying to sell me a PMP certification or a franchise. Yeah. Sorry, uh, you're going or, or leadless or <laughs> like financial advisor, right. like you name it. There's just like, there's like 10 usual <laughs> suspects that are just like rampant on LinkedIn. But anyway, yeah, um, I, mean, I mean, it goes to your earlier comment, Colin, about our, our buyers have like, they've seen behind the curtain more mm -hmm. like now more than ever before, just because of the sheer volume yeah. of outbound that they have been getting the past few years. So our buyers are, can, are pretty quick to spot what is a low value, maybe fully automated spammy type message. And when we talk about primary inbox problems, that type of message is certainly going to create them because you are going to get marked as spam and you are gonna get blocked. And that's true in your email and it's true on LinkedIn now. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it's only gonna be a matter of time or LinkedIn's gonna let you be the pen that's been marked as Sam so many times and then what, right? Uh, I'm sure there's going to eventually be some repercussions yeah. for that. If, you know, all day, every day you're being marked as spam from people. So you definitely don't want to be that person. Leslie, thank you so much for coming on. Greatly appreciate it. If you missed the first episode where we talked about value-based segmentation, the links in the show notes, make sure you go check it out. Any final thoughts on where's the best place for people to connect with you? Well, I just really hope that this helped people because I know that deliverability can feel a bit overwhelming, particularly because often as ICs and people leaders, it's not something that we have direct control over. So focus on what you do have control over. Take action against that. I talk about these types of issues every single day on LinkedIn, so you can find me there. Uh, and I also create a ton of video content. So if you prefer that, you can find me on TikTok at Sales Tips Talk and on YouTube, my new YouTube channel. 
awesome. We will drop all the links so that you have them. Thanks again, Leslie. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends so that we can reach more sellers and sales leaders and help transform the way they sell.